What's your reaction to a week of prayer? You excited, curious, puzzled, or maybe you're just unmoved or indifferent, bored, and all of those reactions, I'm sure, will be present uh, in this gathering uh, this morning. And perhaps for many people, uh, you might be in the latter category, unmoved or indifferent and bored. A week of prayer. What is the point of a week of prayer? Shouldn't we be sort of out there doing something, using, using our gifts and facilities, praying? Why should we spend so much time praying? In uh, many parts of the world, this would not be unusual. But here in the Western world, prayer is a stranger. Prayer is a stranger. If you're a follower of Brighton Hove Albion Football Club, and this was the first day when the Amex Stadium was open. And it just happened that Brighton was playing at home this afternoon. And it just happened that you had a few hours to spare. And it just happened that you wandered into this building to kill the time. I think in an interesting way, you would find quite a few things with which you might be able to connect. If you're keen on football, you might be a student of the game. You know the rules, you know the offside rule. You know the players, you know the history, you know the predictions of the pundits. You would study the game and maybe, maybe if you came through that door and sat in this seat at this particular time and I pick up this book, you might say to yourself, well, in some sort of way, these people seem to be looking into history and maybe some rules uh, to get better understanding. If you're a football supporter, it may be the one time in the week when you sing at the top of your voice. You cheer your team on. And it may be that you come here today that this might be the one time in the week when you sing a song. You might be impressed by the enthusiasm with which we sing. And after the match is over, you meet for a drink. And after we finish this meeting, we will also have tea and coffee. And we will talk to each other and we will rejoice and we will sorrow together. Just as Brighton Hove Albion will rejoice in a victory and sorrow over a defeat. But the one thing that you would find most perplexing if you were to come in as a football supporter this morning is the person at the front saying, shall we pray? Why? 
What a moment that would be in the Amex Stadium, wouldn't it? If over the loudspeaker system came the message, quiet, let's pray. <laughs> Revival. At this point, you might struggle to find any connection. You search hard for any memory of this in your life, and you can't find any. Prayer is odd, and it's weird, and it's unlike anything else. And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And why? Because I'm very keen to make you interested, to make you want to know more, and to encourage you to pray because prayer is for everyone. It's not a specialist sport. It's not for a few gifted people. Prayer is for everyone, from the very youngest to the oldest. We can all pray. Just hold the thought for, that, for this moment, just to think about that idea that we can all pray whatever kind of person we are whatever background we have whatever physical circumstance we can all pray and if you do not pray you are missing out on a fundamental of what it means to be a human made in God's image Now turn to the Bible. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. It's on the screen. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. The second verse gives a real prayer. It's actually a prayer that Jesus taught the disciples. And it's one of the most well-known Christian prayers of all time. But we're not going to look at that prayer this morning. We're just going to look at this particular verse and try to get ourselves into the shoes of that disciple and to see the scene as that disciple saw it. We're just going to linger with that to try to make sense and get encouragement for what's taking place, the behavior of Jesus, what's going on in the follower's mind. It's interesting that Jesus, who says very clearly in one place, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and your father will see you in secret. Although he did do that and quite repeatedly and often, in the Bible record, there are quite a few occasions when the prayers of Jesus are audible to those who are around him. He could have separated himself. He could have put himself into that quiet place. Even at that seminal prayer of Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night before he died... That prayer which is so prominent in the Bible record, even then, 
he prays in a place where the disciples, his followers, could actually see him. Gospel writer says it was just a stone's throw beyond where they were. It's interesting, isn't it? So this disciple had heard Jesus' prayers. There's an example of Jesus' prayer in chapter 10, the previous chapter, and verse 21. Jesus had sent out 72 others. We know later these are disciples. And he says in verse 21, when they have come back and they've reported to him the great things that God has done, It says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. And he goes on. Then it says in verse 23, he turned to his disciples. They heard him pray that prayer. Although it was extremely personal prayer, they heard him pray the prayer. And so this disciple has heard the prayers of Jesus. Who is this disciple of Jesus? He's nameless. He's just one of a number, but someone familiar enough with Jesus to get close and ask him a question. Quite brave. Perhaps someone who had been near Jesus for a while because this particular time is well into the ministry of Jesus. He has already been hard at work in a public way for many months. Maybe this disciple is one of those who was sent out in chapter 10, one of those 72. But we don't know his name and we don't know anything more about him. And in a way that's rather good because we can say of this particular person, he's nameless so any of us can identify with him. He's just called a disciple and I want us to think a little bit about what it means to be a disciple because throughout the New Testament, the gospel record, this word disciple is used. The word Christian is not used here. In fact, the word Christian doesn't come until much later in the early church as a kind of a nickname. But he's a disciple. So let's think about a disciple. What is a disciple? It might mean a follower. But it actually means more than that. A follower can be like a, a sort of a groupie. Just someone interested. Someone who's on the surroundings. Who's looking on. Maybe for entertainment. And there were plenty of people in the time of Jesus. Who were followers like that. Interested to see what would happen next. The next miracle the next extraordinary provocative statement. But in the gospel record here, the idea of disciple means more than that. It means a learner. It means a learner. A teacher and a learner. And we know what he's learning because he is not just any disciple, but he's a disciple of Jesus. 
He might have gone after someone else. He mentions in this verse that there were disciples who learnt of John. That's Jesus' cousin called John the Baptist. But he is not a disciple of John the Baptist. He's a disciple of Jesus. This man is a learner of Jesus. He's listening very carefully to Jesus' words. He's watching Jesus' behavior because he wants to learn and he wants to be like him. Later on, another disciple of Jesus put that experience in this way. He says, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. He's speaking of Jesus. And Jesus was that close to that disciple that he said, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. These disciples of Jesus were that close to him and they were mightily impressed. In fact, they were transformed by the experience. Christians are disciples of Jesus because although we can't see and touch him physically, we may know him as well and as truly as these first disciples. We are learners of Jesus Christ so that we might be like him. So if you're a Christian, put yourselves in this man's shoes this morning. But I like this thought, that this man is a learner of Jesus. And you may not categorize yourself this morning as a Christian. You may not think of yourself as a Christian. But you can be a learner of Jesus. All of us has to make a first step, a start. And Jesus is saying, come. Come close to me. Come and listen. Come and watch. Come and learn. Become a learner of Jesus. And Jesus would also say to each one of you, This has nothing to do with your background, nothing to do with your age, nothing to do with your nationality. It is just that you are a human being and he invites everybody to come and be a learner. A learner of Jesus. It would be wonderful if you were to go away from this place this morning and put your hand up to this and say, I want to be a learner of Jesus. Secondly, learners of Jesus want to pray. This disciple wanted to pray. He had that in him already. He had surely prayed before. It was not unusual in those days. This is one of the surest, clearest marks that you are turning a corner in your life when you find it in your heart to pray. The prayerless person 
becomes a prayer uh, a prayer. It's one of the most beautiful and striking marks of the work of God in someone's life when they utter a prayer to God. Is there such an experience in your life? Would you like that sort of experience in your life? Would you like to become a prayer? It's fundamental and it's necessary. I don't ask the question, would you be happy to pray in a group because some people feel a bit frightened or embarrassed to do so. But if, like Jesus says, if you were to go into your bedroom by yourself, is it in your heart to pray to God? If you don't find any desire like that, I need to say, you need to think again. If you call yourself a Christian, but do not pray, you must question the reality of your relationship with God. So what is this prayer? Well, many have given very lengthy explanations, but I'll suggest a short one to be going on with this morning. Here it is. Prayer is to speak to God and let God speak to you. Prayer is to speak to God and to let God speak to you. And many people here might say, there's a lot more to it than that. And I would agree. <laughs> but this is a starting point. This is a starting point. It's not just being still. Although there can be prayer and stillness. And it's not just meditating. Although I'm sure that if we were to think about God's word, we might also turn some of that into prayer. But it is about communication and communication within a relationship. And this is what learners of Jesus want to do. They want to pray. They want to communicate with the God who has made them the God who has loved them and the God who in Jesus has saved them. And they also want to hear from him because in a most wonderful and special way, God can speak to each one of us. Learners of Jesus want to pray better Please notice what this disciple says. Lord, teach us to pray. He has prayed before, but he hears Jesus' prayers, and his reaction is, well, if that is prayer, Lord, teach me to pray.
This is the cry of every learner of Jesus when they get serious about spiritual life. Lord, teach us to pray. This is the cry of every learner of Jesus when they realize their spiritual poverty. Lord, teach us to pray. If wanting to pray is one of the best signs of early spiritual life, wanting to pray better is one of the best signs of a growing spiritual life. If you are quite settled and content with your prayer experience, I suggest that you have probably stopped growing as a learner of Jesus. Fourthly, learners of Jesus want to pray together. The disciple speaks for himself, but he speaks on behalf of all of them. Lord, teach us to pray. Us to pray. We are together in this. Even when, as Jesus recommends, we go into our own room and cry out to God by ourselves, we are still part of a group a body. So Jesus responds to this one disciple with a prayer that actually covers all of us. Our Father, give us, forgive us, lead us. Do you see it there? Verses 2 to 4. We're in this together. It's good for us to be praying in this week of prayer by ourselves, and I hope that we can do that. But even by ourselves, we remember that we're part of a body. We're praying for those things that concern us all. So how good it is to actually be present in prayer together. There's something extraordinarily right and necessary for us to pray together. If you look in the book of Acts, we won't look now at that, but in the book of Acts, which is the very start of the Christian church after Jesus had died, resurrected, and gone back to heaven, the Christian church began on the day of Pentecost. And it's really striking to see how those early Christians are recorded as praying together. In fact, I struggle hard to find any instance in the whole of the book of Acts where there is prayer of one person by themselves. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is putting his fingerprint on this and saying to each one of us, do you realize this is what prayer is about? You're part of a body. You're part of a body. You're part of a body. Even some of the most personal and traumatic experiences that we may go through are those that can, in a very real sense, touch the whole of the body. Because we are a unit. We are together. So I make this point this morning because we are going into a week of prayer and we do so together. Fifthly, Jesus is our best teacher about prayer. He is the very best person in the whole world to teach us about prayer. If ever this subject has puzzled you before, 
And you might have looked at a bookshop, maybe, and just wanted to understand or gone onto the internet, you know, Google prayer. Well, I say to you today, so pleased you're here. So pleased you're here because I'm going to point you in the direction of the very best teacher about prayer. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So when that disciple said, Lord, teach us to pray, he asked a very powerful, important, and right question. Praise God he did, because Jesus gave him an answer. If you want to know about prayer, you should learn of Jesus and his experience of prayer, his attitudes, his words, and his example. And how blessed we are that we are not left ignorant about the prayer life of Jesus Christ because it's recorded for us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can read it. It doesn't tell you everything about the prayer life of Jesus because Jesus prayed a great deal more than is recorded in these Gospels. But the interesting point is that what is recorded in these Gospels about the prayer life of Jesus gives us a very deep and helpful insight into the realities of prayer. So when it's recorded here, it's recorded not just that we might admire Jesus, but we might learn from him. So that disciple might have been thinking, as any good Jewish disciple might ask of any rabbi and teacher, Give us the rules of prayer. Jesus, tell us the rules of prayer. Now let's see, let's see what is recorded in the gospel record about the rules of prayer. So he might say, when should we pray? In some religions, it's at certain points of the day. But the gospel record says that Jesus spent a whole night in prayer. And he certainly prayed in the daytime as well. He prays at any time of day and night. And we might ask, how should we pray? Jesus speaks of those Pharisees who stood on the street corners and stood to pray. But it's clear that Jesus stood and kneeled and sat and on one occasion was prostrate on the ground and most shockingly of all at the moment of crucifixion dying on the cross he prays and what kind of voice should we use Jesus when we pray does it have to be a, a kind of a church-like voice? No. 
In the prayer we read from chapter 10, it speaks of Jesus full of joy. I can only imagine that when he opened his mouth to speak to his father, it came bubbling out with enthusiasm. Later on in the Gospel of Luke, we read of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And then on the cross, at the moment of his dying, he says, With a loud voice, Jesus called, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Well, Jesus, how long should our prayers be? And if you were to take this prayer in Luke 11 as an example, you might say prayer must be very short. But if you were to read the Gospel of John and to see the way Jesus prayed on the last night before his crucifixion, you would see it takes a whole chapter. Where should we pray? Well, actually anywhere, alone and in a crowd, all of which tells us there are no rules, at least no physical rules, because it's about a relationship. A relationship to be enjoyed, a relationship which is not to be restricted by time or space or emotions. So in this record, here in the Bible, of Jesus' prayers, we see him praising God, giving thanks for bread and fish, seeking God about important decisions like calling 12 disciples, agonizing over God's will for him, praying for all who were and will be his disciples, asking God's forgiveness for those who are putting him to death and committing himself to God at the moment of his death. So it's a good question for all of us to say, Lord, teach us to pray. And it's a good answer for each one of us to become familiar with what is recorded about the prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we see his example, we will learn. And as we learn, we will grow. And as we grow, we will pray. Here is a prayer. Oh God, please help me to be a learner of Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus Christ, just refreshing and rehearsing in our minds this morning all those occasions on which you prayed and the thought that you who had been with the Father in heaven from all eternity came down to earth, lived as a man and called out to your Father 
in life and in death. How this strikes us and how this stirs us, how this encourages us. Help us ourselves not to be rule bound. Help us rather to be refreshed in our relationship with you. Bless everybody here today. We pray that all of us may be learners of Jesus Christ. Amen.